Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Yeah, we'll just plug you in there and then you guys will be going. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. This is the 57th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Welcome Thank you for being here. However you're listening, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, PocketCast. God, I don't even understand. And there's more podcast hosting sites than that. However you're listening, thank you. If you're listening at the home link, which is perception.fireside.fm, thank you for that too. I want to make sure that we're very clear. You should be listening to this show via one of the many podcast hosting sites. The iTunes, the Google Podcast, the iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and all of that. That's how you should be listening to the show. Because you can go backwards, you can fast forward, you can jump around, do whatever you want. The home station, perception.fireside.fm, is for you to go and be able to pull up any of the old episodes that you might want, if you want someone to listen to one, if you want to go back and figure out what I said exactly, or to just find anything there. And of course you can listen from there, but at that home link, perception.fireside.fm, it has all of the regular podcast hosting sites, the Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and so on and so forth. So if you go to that home link, perception.fireside.fm, and you click on whichever podcast hosting site that you would use, like if you have an iPhone or if you use iTunes, you would click on the iTunes or the Apple Podcast. If you have Android or you like Google, you would click on the Google Podcast. Or if you want to use Spotify or whatever, that's how you would do it. That way you can subscribe to the show and get it each and every time I do a download. And that way you don't have to go searching and I just pop up whenever I'm there. That's how you do it. Make sure you're sharing that information with everybody you know. Just put a link on social Social media. That's the best way. After all, we want to increase the listenership here and we want to welcome more and more listeners each and every time. So I want to thank you for coming back and for listening and for sharing this with people out in the world. Today we have a special episode for you. For this 57th episode, I'm calling it Go Red for Ed and then I guess question mark squiggly point. 
because this is something currently going on in the state of Indiana, and it's kind of divisive. You've got people on both sides saying whether the teachers should be doing this or should they not be doing it. Basically, you've got a bunch of teachers going down to the state house. They went down on Tuesday, November 19th, to demand better pay and demand that the Indiana state house and that the politicians get in line with giving the Indiana Department of Education more money and giving the school systems more money and giving teachers better raises and better salaries. So to help me discuss that today, I'm bringing on this side of the microphone producers Kate and Niles. I call them the vulgar poets. They're people who help me research my episodes, do some digging, and we normally go through episodes and talk about stuff behind the scenes. They're producers of the show. But for this episode, I wanted to bring them forward and we can kind of talk about this topic, talk about their points of views and their opinions on this matter. So please put your hands together and welcome to Perception is Reality, producers Kate and Niles. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, hello. All right, all right. So um, why don't we do this? Most people should be familiar with this because it's been pretty well played out in social media and across all sorts of uh, the news stations in Indianapolis and all throughout the rest of the state. Um what what are your thoughts on what's happening? I mean, no one's against teachers or education. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's how we go about it. At the same time, no one likes paying taxes. Um, so when we look at you know when when any when any government agency, whether it be the Department of Education, Department of Transportation, you know any of those organizations re- request more money. Immediately, it turns people off because you know, I understand economics and that the government, whether it's the state, local, or federal government, they don't produce anything. They don't produce, you know, they don't, they don't make money. They take money from me and distribute it. So another government agency demands more money, I'm not hearing on one side of it, I'm not hearing that, you know, teachers are underpaid. I'm hearing you want to raise my taxes. And, and not not blaming teachers um, because that's government. Government is very poor at spending money. I mean, we can look at anything the government has done at just about any level, and they don't do it well. <laughs> they just spend a lot of money. Right. So that's the heartburn, I think, with you know, people who are against the red for ed thing, is that they're just seeing more of their dollars going to uh, out. to not the teachers. It's going to go to the, the, you know, the Indiana Department yes. of Education first. And they're going to take their chunk out of it. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you give a government agency. It starts at the top. Everybody gets their piece. And when it actually makes it down to the people that the money was meant to go to, they get a very small portion, um, and that and that's just government. Period. Whether it's the Social Security Department, the IRS, they all they they waste dollars, and it and and they are to blame as an agency. But the, whether it's the federal or state government, they're also to blame because the system that we have today 
is you get a budget of, let's say you get a budget of a billion dollars. Well, in order to get that budget for the next year, you have to spend a billion dollars. So the government at every level rewards its departments for spending all of their money. Yes. Instead of rewarding them for being frugal and being good stewards of the taxpayer dollars and coming under budget, you know, they don't, they don't get rewarded for that. They, they get their budget for the next year slashed. So there's no incentive to be good stewards of the taxpayer's dollar. The incentive is to burn every dollar you get to ensure you get it again the next year. Because none of that money, if you don't spend the money, it goes back into the general fund and they just cut. Your, so, you know, if you have a billion dollar budget, you spend $900 million, you know, instead of saying good job and giving you a little bit of that money back on the next year's budget on top of what you had, they said, they said, well, you didn't, you didn't spend it this year. You didn't need it. So next year, you're going to get $900 million. So we just cut your budget. So there's no incentive to be good stewards. And, and that, is, that is my biggest um, issue with any government entity you know, asking for more dollars. Well, and that's so, across, across the board. Across the board, yes. that's with everything. Across the board. So, I mean, for me... For, for for this to work, because I, I do believe teachers are underpaid. I mean, we could all name that one teacher growing up that was their favorite. I mean, mine was Mr. Horner, you know, that impacted my life directly as an individual. Everyone can name a teacher that impacted their life directly. Um, and, and everyone can agree that they're underpaid. Um, they, they work more hours. They work a lot of hours without actually getting paid for it. And we all understand that. And the issue is not with the teacher. The issue is within the system that they are confined. They are being punished by the system. I mean, I firmly believe whether it's the Department of Defense or the Department of Education, none of them are underfunded. They are all working within a system that rewards them for spending all of their money. They don't care how you spend it. They just care that you spend it. Right. And, and I think in order for this whole system to be worked out where you can lower taxes, you can increase pay, we need to rethink the entire system and how the state operates and it rewards government agencies for being what good stewards of the taxpayer's dollar. Well, and that comes down to the local level. I mean, the local level, they have to be really good stewards of their money too. You know, here we've got five superintendents, which I'm still trying to figure out because the number of students that we have here across the entire county is less than what they have in Indianapolis, and Indianapolis has one superintendent. The entire population of the county. Yeah, let's so let's talk about that just for a second here because that is something that's always been extremely strange to me, and, and we were talking about that before we were recording, that the number... Le, le, and here, here's the deal. And I just want to make sure we. I, I did kind of gloss over it there at the beginning. I just want to make sure, really quickly, that for folks that might not know, the basically here's the situation: the the teachers went today it, because today is the start of the 2020 legislative session, more or less, is what's going on, and so they descended upon the state house to go red for Ed Day. 
And basically what they're saying is the Indiana State Teachers Association is arguing that the Republican boast of record education funding in the current budget still leaves schools underfunded. And the ISTA president, Keith uh, Gambill, says that while funding for each district is linked to enrollment, 60 school systems saw spending cuts in the new budget. And while 96 more received increases of less than 2%. And so what they're fighting for and what they're arguing for is, like like I said, more pay, more funding uh, for the schools, and some of the repeal on externship requirements and what they need to do as far as that goes. And all of that sounds wonderful. I don't know anybody that's against that or against helping the students and against funneling money in but it's like what you're saying. You 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 got to think smarter, not harder. But in Randolph County, we have how many school systems? You have Randolph Central, Randolph Southern, Randolph Eastern, Randolph Central, and Union. Okay, so and each one of those school corporations has a different superintendent. They get paid one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So out of the budget for a county that has less than 25,000 people, you got right around $550,000 of the education budget goes to five people. That's insane. I mean, and that's that's something that people should really, really look at because if you look just to the west in Delaware County, so you have... 70,000 people in the city of Muncie, and I don't know what they say, uh, 120,000 people in Delaware County. I know it's less than that. 110,000 people. You have one, two, three, four. There you also have five school systems with five superintendents and I, I mean I guess that could even be looked at as well but the fact that you've got it I mean th- I think Randolph County is a glaring example of where there is a serious issue and where there might be a little bit of waste going on or 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 well, you, a little bit too much people yeah yeah that, and you're exactly right not a little bit it's it's quite a bit it's it's a lot and so what are what are your thoughts, Kate, or, or, or either one of you, really, on how how should this be handled? Well, you know, everybody's a lot. There are a lot of people here in Randolph County that are against consolidating the schools. Yeah. Because they're worried about schools being closed. But here's the thing: if you're saving four hundred thousand dollars by only having one superintendent, then why can't you keep all the schools open yes. and let the kids? Continue to go where they're going. You know, when I was in elementary school, I grew up in Ohio. My elementary school principal was the principal for two schools. He was for Parksman, where I was at, and Huntsford, which was about a 20-minute drive away. So he alternated every other day. He was at one of the one of you know Parksman, and then Huntsburg and then back to Parksman. Yeah. And then next week, you know, he was at, at Huntsburg three days and Parkman only twice. And he managed to do that with two schools. Um, the biggest elementary school was in the middle of those two, and they had a principal there. You know, we've got a high school and middle school here in Winchester. They're in the same building, but we have two principals. 
and, and two, you know, administrative staff. And I don't understand why they can't be combined. They're all in the same building, and it's not like there's 10,000 students running around in there. Why can't we have one principal in that school? If we can trim down the administration costs by consolidating positions in the administration, there's no reason that we need to close down schools. And there's no reason that we need to, you know, start slashing budgets. And, and doing that, you know, then there's all that money available to be able to give the teachers here at the local level pay rates. I think we said now, Chris, and going with the budget that you can get online, uh, consolidating positions, it was about $1.5 million in, and that's a conservative estimate, in cost savings in Randolph County by consolidating jobs and consolidating the school corporation, having one superintendent. Not closing any schools down. Right. Just consolidating positions, get one and a half million dollars. So what in Randolph County, I don't remember the, the number of teachers, but if the budget stayed the same and you just saved $1.5 million in Podunk, Indiana, how much of a pay raise can you give to all your teachers? I, I mean, I would wager to save between five and $10,000 easily and per still teacher. Have, and still have money left over to boost, to push into for the students. You know, and, and that would and that would be without raising uh, the education budget. And, yeah. and here's the thing in Randolph County: how many students in Randolph County are homeschooled? Do you have any idea? No, that's interesting. No, how, how, how many? Three hundred. Okay. Which is almost like one entire elementary school in the county. Yeah. Say that one yeah. more time. 300 students is about the equivalent of one elementary school. Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. You, you cut out there, yeah, you're, you're exactly, that's exactly correct. Because people are so upset with the education level students are receiving. It's so top-heavy, the amount of money going to administration, that it's not trickling down to teachers. It's not trickling down to students. It's being sucked up up at the top, even at a local level. Yeah. So it's that up to the state how much is being sucked up at the top and never makes it down to the people that deserve the money, the teachers, and our kids. That was actually an argument when they were talking about the Federal Department of Education, because I think their budget is $65 billion a year. Not one dollar of that ever goes to a school in the United States, but, but they spend $65 billion a year. So somebody made the argument, well, you could do away with the Department of Education give every school, every state a billion dollars and and pocket fifteen billion dollars. Yeah. It, it's about thinking smarter about how you're spending the money and being accountable for how you're spending that money and being transparent about it and letting it go where it needs to be. And it needs to be in the hands of the teachers and it needs to be going into equipment and materials to teach our kids. I homeschool two of mine, and I've got one in the school system. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm, Eddie's happy with where he's at. Right. It's because it's easy. Well, it's <laughs> Eddie's kind of a jerk, and he's know-it-all, and he's super smart, but, you know, he's happy where he is. He's a social butterfly. Sure. So our oldest wasn't thriving in, in the school system uh, because 
there's not the attention. There's not the, and, and it's hard for teachers to care when they feel like they're being pushed off to the side because, you know, it's been 10 years since they got a decent pay rate. And they're putting more and more of their own money into buying supplies for their classroom and things like that. You know, it's got to be hard to give a damn about what you're doing when you don't have a whole lot to show for at the end of the day. Absolutely. And it's proven when when you are top heavy, when the administrations are heavy, that money is wasted, inefficiency is rife within the organization. That's any organization, whether it is uh, a government agency or a private industry. Uh, when you become top heavy, you become extremely inefficient and wasteful. I mean, this is a fact. Um, well, it, it, it's it's interesting that you mention that, and to speak to exactly what you're saying and what would be going on in Randolph County, the Indiana House Speaker, Brian Bosma, it's interesting because he says that, yes, it's great that the teachers are coming out and that their voices are being heard, but Bosma says that teachers need to look closer to home for an explanation as to why salaries haven't risen more and states that over the last decade enrollment and teacher staff have declined while administrative jobs have grown by more than 30 percent and you have uh, gamble who is representing in the president of the Teachers Association, is saying, well, that's just Bosma trying to turn educators against each other and that the real problem is the state is funding at an inadequate level. But, I mean, I think that's a real problem. When that's a fact and it's a, something that you can state that the administrative jobs have grown by more than 30%, that that seems to be completely uncalled for when you have people saying, you know, it's all about the student. It's all about, you know, the education and, and making it about the students. Well, the administrators, yeah, they're important jobs and you need a principal here and there. But it's the teachers that are, you know, like the foot soldiers and the people that are on the ground, the ground troops. And so if you're if you can't keep them employed because salaries are low or they're not getting raises and they're you know they feeling fed up you know you're going to run into a problem there you need more teachers not more bosses yes and you, know, and you can take this at any level i mean one of the arguments about the united states army um today and its inefficiency somebody pointed out the reason the army is so inefficient is because we have more generals today than we had at the height of world war ii Wow. Okay. Um, the army, the army is a fraction of the size it was in World War II. But so you get too many chiefs and not opinion. Yeah. You get all these guys with great ideas, and, and it is, invariably costs money. Yeah, because <laughs> you have a bunch of good idea fairies. Yes. Sit up at the top, and, and it, it, you know, and they come up with all these grand schemes. They spend all this money. They need they need four secretaries, and their secretaries need secretaries. And the next thing you know, you know, this $115,000 administrator, I'm sure in the larger cities, they get paid a lot more than $115,000. All of a sudden, he has a staff of 10 who make $30,000 a year. So, you know, that's $300,000. So this $115,000 job now cost you $415,000. Well, if they have, you know, a staff of 10, the principal needs a staff of five, you know, 
And it also gives a, um, so now you've got this huge staff that costs a massive amount of money. You've got that one teacher who, they got their master's degree, now they're going for their doctor. They're trying to work their way into the administrative side. You know, they're working their way out of being a teacher and being an administrator. The incentive to be an administrator is the money and the fact that you have so many people underneath of you, you just go to meetings and tell people what to do, and you become a figurehead. Um, so there's no incentive to shrink it because on all sides, no one wants it to go away because everybody wants the job. And yeah. you create more jobs in the administrative side, and that's more people that can leave the education field and suck up money and sit in an office and have a secretary. Right. feel important. Um, but, and I, but I would say what Brian Boswell said, he's spot on partway. You do need to look locally. You need to look at the school board, the, the county commissioners. You, for part of that, yes. You also need to look at the state and how they run their state budget and how it's incentivized. Right now, in almost every organization in the United States that is a federal entity, they are rewarded for spending their budget. They are not rewarded for being good stewards of tax dollars. Because I know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, in the Army, at the end of the year, if we had excess ammo, we'd have a spin deck and go out and just, I mean, we'd go to the range and shoot up all the ammo <laughs> to make sure we get that much ammo back next year. Right. Oh, boy, you have fun doing that. No, you do have fun. I'm not saying we didn't, you know, we didn't get anything out of it. I'm just saying we went out there to, to utilize as much as we could because if we didn't expend that ammo, we weren't going to get that ammo back. Well, my favorite story was when you guys were getting ready to deployment number two. You were getting ready to go. You'd just been back from deployment number one, getting ready to go on deployment number two. And I get a call from the rear detachment commander to ask me what I thought about, you know, uh, office supplies. They had a million dollars left over from their budget the year that year that they needed to get rid of. They needed to spend it. So the rear detachment commander got handed a credit card and told to go to Staples and buy supplies, office supplies. And I think he said he spent about $10,000 on office supplies. Filled 20 carts with stuff to blow money. And he bought $10,000 worth of office supplies for a unit that wasn't going to be there the next year to use them. Right. And and that's that's a very extreme example. However, and I want to make sure people understand, that does happen. That's the federal government. That's the military. But that does happen funneling on down from the from the gov you know from the military to the other agencies in the federal government to the state governments to to the county and your city and your town that does that type of mentality with the way that the budgets are set up does we can, occur. We, can put it, we can put it at a city level so the Winchester Police Department bought brand new clocks yep because they had money left over in their budget and yep. if they didn't spend it they were going to lose the money for the next year's budget so they bought new Glocks, which pissed off a city council member because they bought new Glocks. But the police chief knows that if I don't spend the money, then my budget gets slashed for the next year. And, you know, in budgets, you can't – this is why government is so inefficient. You can't say that this year, you know, you had a budget of a 
let's say that I don't know what the education system in Indiana what they get. One point two trillion dollars. So they get one point two trillion dollars. Well, this year they only need nine hundred billion. It was a good year. Then nothing went wrong. All the, you know, all the maintenance and upkeep, everything went smooth. Yeah. So they just didn't need the money. That's not to say that the next year you won't need the one point two trillion dollars. Right. But they know, you know, but, but the way the system is set up at the government level, you have to spend the money. So, so the teacher should be pissed off at the state government one for how they do their budgeting. And for rewarding the administrative level of the Indian Department of Education for spending their money and punishing them for not. So in that sense, they should demand that the state redoes their budgets so that the state can save money, lower taxes, and incentivize um, being, frugal. being frugal. And so you get $1.2 trillion. None of that money rolls over. Let's say you only spend $900 billion, so you have $3 billion left over. $300,000. Or three hundred whatever. I'm sorry. So so three hundred three hundred you should spend nine hundred billion out of one point two trillion. Oh yeah. So you have three hundred billion left over. Yeah. So instead of you know the next year you get your budget of one point two trillion plus the one plus the hundred and fifty million dollars, half of what you saved out of the budget for the previous year, added to it, and the state pockets a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. $150 million, so they've saved $150 million. So you've incentivized the, thing, the Department of Education and every other entity in the state to be frugal. And it does two things. The budget never goes up or, or goes up, you know, over time slowly because it doesn't need to. Taxes can go down because expenditures aren't going up, and it actually creates a rainy day fund for the Department of Education or any other department. Because that money that rolls over every year, you know, if you're saying, let's say you, say you, you roll over, you know, $2 million a year, after 10 years, you've got $20 million. You need to go to a new school. You've got $20 million in your rainy day fund for being frugal with your money. You pay cash for it. It doesn't affect the taxpayer. They don't have to do a loan or bond or nothing. No government agency has to do anything. The school systems have the cash to pay for it because they're frugal with their dollars and the state rewards them for being good stewards with taxpayers' money. And if they're being frugal, it gives them room in their budget. Hey, we need to give our teachers pay rates. Yeah. And we can afford to do it. Because we've been smart with the rest of our budget. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have five superintendents, and we know that we're not going to get punished by the state for not spending every bloody dime they throw at us. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, and to look at it on even a, 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 you know, the level that I'm hearing, because what here here's what it looks like that that the argument is breaking up into. It's breaking up into the people who are either teachers or are friends with teachers or you know supportive of the teachers. And I don't know anybody that says I'm not supportive of teachers. I don't know anybody. It's kind of like the pro-life or pro-abortion you know it's it's kind of a uh, double speak or, or or you know it, something that it's it's meant to trick you i don't know anybody that's not pro-teacher there's not someone who's going to come out and say ah screw the teachers okay but you have the people who are saying you know i've heard arguments saying well 126 schools canceled today so the teachers could go if the fight is really for the kids 
Don't cancel school and go down and stand in the cold. Come up here and teach. I don't really get into that argument. There's enough school days through the year. I'm not really caught up about that. Now, one of the other arguments like that that's kind of interesting to me is when you have teachers who are complaining you know, about needing to spend money for the classroom. And now to play devil's advocate, and I apologize, and I can say this right now, for Jennifer and for Holly, when you're listening to this, you're going to kill me for this, but I'm just playing devil's advocate on this. Okay, when you have teachers who are saying, you know, for example, there was one that was, was interviewed that said, you know, we're here to get help for the best for our students in the future and for the students that are here that we have now in in our area. And she went on and said, we're here because we're in critical need of funding. That's Joanne DeFries, uh, a Hebron teacher. And she says that we're fighting this fight, that the union, the administrators, the teachers, everybody's coming together. It has to change specifically for the small or rural schools the rural schools. That's hard to say. She said, we're lacking pencils. We're lacking paper. And I spent $400 at the beginning of the year trying to get my classroom together so it could be a wonderful environment for our students. Okay, I shouldn't have to pay for pencils, papers, posters, and crayons, and markers. We shouldn't have to pay for those things. The pay is not good enough. Okay, so now, I, first of all, I understand saying, well, you know, I shouldn't have to go out and kick out $600 a year uh, for supplies for my for my classroom. I, I understand people saying that, but at the same time, I was a police officer, and the police officer gives you a gun, and they give you ammunition, and they give you a vest, but I spent... And you get a uniform allowance a year. It's normally broken. You can get it once a year or you can get it every six months. Most people like to get it every six months. But beyond that uniform allowance, I spent tons of money out of my own pocket buying extra ammo, buying extra magazines, buying, you know, uh, a, a second backup duty piece, buying, you know, a, a report, uh, organizer for the car things that you don't need now i understand that the pencils and the paper and things like that are, are things that you need but there are departments where they buy their own guns and they buy their own uniform and so it's almost like i look at being a teacher like i look at being a police officer or being a fireman or being in the military if somebody's working at a factory I'm not saying there's anything wrong with factory work, and I'm not saying that there's not people there that don't love it. But just being realistic, most people aren't seven years old running around the house saying, I'm playing factory worker. I'm standing here pushing a button all day. That's not a job that most people dream when they're little they're going to grow up to be. A lot of people, when they're little, dream of being police officer, firefighter, and teacher. Teacher is a calling. Teacher is something that you do because you have a need to help students, be around students. And so, you know, I there are, let's just take being a police officer or being a fireman and remove the teacher. You're not getting paid nearly enough for the danger that you're putting yourself into, for the type of mental uh 
damage that you're doing to yourself going and seeing the things that you see and dealing with what you deal with, especially in today's world where, you know, it, it almost seems like nothing that you do is right. I don't think that you get paid enough for that, but people aren't doing it for the money. You you shouldn't be doing it for the money. And, and I know that's easy to say, and that's me saying it, and that's, you know, that's something that, you know, I'm going to get slapped down about real hard by, by my teacher friends and the teacher listeners. But it's something that has to be paid, you know, I understand. Most people spend, you know, two or $300 a year on supplies for their, for, you know, just for their work stuff, uh, cool. you know, and things like that. So saying, well, I've spent $400 to prepare my classroom for the beginning of the year. I kind of, I don't, I don't, okay, so that's great, you know, wonderful. I'm with you, Chris, and it, you're right. I mean, teacher is one of those jobs you have to look, in order to be good at it, in order to be a good teacher or a good police officer, or a, or a good service member, soldier, sailor, airman, marine. We cover them all. Coast Guard. And Coast Guard. Yes, let me forget the Coast Guard. <laughs> um, you have to love what you do. And, and part of that is knowing, you know, like being in the Army, you get a, a clothing allowance every year, which pretty much brought you a pair of boots and a uniform. I was in the infantry. Uh, I needed a lot more than one pair of boots and one uniform every year. I needed like four or five pair of boots and seven or eight uniforms a year and, because we destroy them. Uh, and, and we still have some that are held together by duct tape. Yeah, <laughs> duct tape, uh, we're sewn. You know, I mean, you just, but it wasn't, you know, I mean, there, you always have some, somebody that bitches, we should get more clothing allowance, we should get more this, we should get more that. But, I mean, it's, it's the Army. I, I signed a contract with the United States Army, federal government, just, you know, to serve and defend. And these are the things that I would be given. And these are the requirements that I have to meet or uphold to, to maintain my contract with the federal government, with the United States government, the United States Army. And, and you did it. When you were a drill sergeant, a teacher, yeah, you spent a lot of money buying so in, supplies for your courses. When I was a drill sergeant, I'll give you an example. That's when they came out with the the sexy um, beret. No, not the beret. The, the glasses, the protective glasses. The you know, they were uh, Oakley glasses and all this high speed equipment. Well, they issued it to the drill sergeants you know, to each platoon, and then we were supposed to to issue it out to the soldiers. Well, when we got it and everything, and then we were having our little meetings before you know the next cycle started. They got a new issue because you issue the everything is hand received in the army. I was hand received as a senior drill sergeant. Everything that had the platoon, and when the soldiers got their equipment, they were hand received their portion of what I had. Everything is on paperwork. So if you lose something, you buy it. Yeah. Well, they said, well, you you got to give them all this sexy equipment. You got to give them these gloves. And you got to give them the, this eye pro, and you got to give them this this because you know the kids watch movies and you want them to feel hua. And, I, and I, I threw down a bullshit card. I said, you know, and I know, and everyone in this room knows that all these guys and gals, you know, coming off the streets, you're going to give them all this cool equipment, and they're going to lose it. And then you're going to make them sign a statement of charges and charge them for that equipment. I said, that is just wrong. 
I know what's going to happen, you know what's going to happen, but because you want them to feel good, we're going to give them all the shit, yeah. and when they lose it, we're going to take money from them for losing it. Well, I lost in the end, and I had to give it to them, but what happened was, I replaced it. I would not write a statement of charges, still private, for giving him equipment that I knew he was going to lose. So I ate it. Cycle after cycle. I ate the cost because it was ethically wrong. It was morally and ethically wrong for me to give something to someone I knew was going to lose it. So I paid for it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, this is one example. But so, you know, the, I, I got it. it I got their, their complaint, but it, it does suck. But it's a profession that everyone goes into understanding this is what it is. And this is what it's going to cost me. But the benefits outweigh the cost. In saying that, it's the state's responsibility. It's the, you know, the Board of Education, the county commissioners that do the budgeting. It's their responsibility to set an environment and the school administration to set an environment where they are fiscally responsible and the money goes where it's supposed to. And that's where the anger should be. The anger should be at the local board of education and the county commissioners. It should also be at the state. Yeah. The state, the state needs to, I'll say, I'm, I'm just, I'm reiterating myself again. Uh, the state should look at how they do budgeting and how they reward. They should reward people for being frugal and not spending their budget. And the county, the same thing. I mean, if, if in Randolph County specifically, you know, we hold to tradition. We hold the Union City, Winchester, Randolph Southern, Monroe Central Union rivalries. Nobody wants the schools to close down. But in hanging on to a novelty and giving the aura of nothing changing, we are perpetuating what we don't want. And because politicians will never tell you the truth, they only want to tell you what you want to hear long enough to get elected. And then they'll do whatever they want. Until re-election time, and then they'll you know blow smoke up your ass uh, again. In Randolph County specifically, we're perpetuating what we don't want. No one wants the schools to close down. Everyone wants to maintain the rivalries between Randolph Southern, Central Eastern, Monroe Central, and Union. We all want that to stay, but because we are unwilling to face reality, much like the federal government and the rest of the country, where we're soaking in debt and eventually the system's going to fail. And, and coming up with a, a fiscally responsible uh, way of maintaining, I mean, we can keep all the schools in Randolph County open and save a millions of dollars purely by cutting administrative costs. Yeah, and that I think the teachers, the teachers' union, and the teachers themselves need to split their anger. They need to go after all the entities. Let's force a change. I'm all about teachers making a good salary. Teachers, that's one of the jobs. It's the most under-respected, underpaid, under-everything jobs in America. And one of the most important. And in saying that, you would think that the federal government, the state government, the county government, and the, even the city, whatever they, because the city throws money to school too, that they would, they would feel a moral obligation to do their due diligence as elected officials to set up a system that incentivizes teachers to be good teachers, to show um, to show uh, uh, progress 
in, in student education, reward them for it, and at the same time save taxpayer dollars. Uh, that would require everyone to work together to do something that they've never done before. And to think outside the box. And, and to think outside the box. God forbid we think outside the box. Well, <laughs> and, and I, I do want to say again, because we've thrown out some numbers here, that it's important for people to know, and we're, we're getting ready to wind down. We've just got a few more minutes here, but half of Indiana's budget, half of Indiana's budget since 2017, so 2017, 2018, 2019, and then again 2020 going on, half of Indiana's budget is dedicated to the education funding. And so, you know, there's a statement put out by Republicans, and, and one of the Republicans said, you know, most of us are exhausted with hearing that we don't respect teachers. It's about what we can afford. And, you know, at some point, that has to be brought into it, too. You know, I want a brand new car, and I want to go out and buy a whole bunch of guns and a whole bunch of new podcast equipment and buy a studio someplace. But until that's, you know, something that I can afford... I stick with what I've got, and I stick with the guns that I've got and the, the equipment that I've got. And so, you know, I, I that has to be in the back of everybody's mind as well. And so I just want to make sure, you know, listen, the one thing that we're doing here is, like you said, starting out, nobody's beating up on teachers. We are certainly not anti-teacher. We're not, you know, saying that the teachers are in the wrong. It's just how it's being handled and exactly coming all the way back around to your point of saying that they're almost being incentivized to be poor stewards of tax dollars because of how the budget process is set up. And that's something we got to look at. The fact that half the state budget goes to education should infuriate people that we don't have the best education system in the United States. The fact that the Indiana pays half of its budget to education just proves that it's inefficient. The, Depart- the Indiana State and Department of the Indiana Department of Education is inefficient, and the state government is inefficient. How can we spend half of our budget on education and can't cannot meet the needs of the teachers? That's inefficiency. Yes. That is being poor stewards of the taxpayer's dollar. I mean, I just, um, I could go on for days <laughs> about government and wasteful spending and taxes. Um, you know, the fact that we got a new gas tax because they can't afford to fix roads because the first 13 gas taxes weren't enough um, just oozes corruption and wasteful spending. So I. I'm all for the teachers, Chris. Yeah. I think they deserve a pay raise. But I, I think they deserve a pay raise so much that the Indiana Department of Education and all these school districts all across the state, they deserve it so much that they all should go look at their own budgets and start cutting wasteful spending. Absolutely. That is so true, and that's something that needs to be looked at almost all across the board from the federal government down to the states, down to the townships, the county, each and every city and town, however big or small, that's exactly it. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to producers Kate and Niles. Thanks for coming on and being on this side of the microphone for this 
57th episode. I want to say thanks for your opinions and your thoughts. I do want to say for any teachers or supporters of teachers, if anybody wants to come on the show and give your opinion, you want to argue against some of the points that were made here, if you want to just state your case, you are more than welcome to contact me. You can call or text me at 765-546-9796 or email me at khbilbury at gmail.com or hit me up on Facebook. You all know how to get a hold of me. Anyone wants to come on and state your case, argue against these points made here, that is perfectly fine by me. Again, you've been listening to Perception is Reality, this 57th episode. Thank you to Kate and Niles, the producers for the show. We call them the Vulgar Poets. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbury, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, that's going to do it for this 57th episode of Perception is Reality. Go red for Ed, question mark, question mark. Listen, if you're a teacher and you have some thoughts or feelings that are different than what was discussed here, please get a hold of me. I'll talk with you on the show. I'll do a whole show with you. I'll let you get out your thoughts and feelings and I'll make sure that you are heard. If you like what's being said here, let me know that as well. Remember, be sure to share the show, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbury, perception.fireside.fm. That's it for us for now. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbury. Bilbury. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash bilbury318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbury. Email khbilbury at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbury, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.